Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. The show is a proud media partner for the 11th Annual Media Excellence Awards, which are produced by Access Entertainment in Los Angeles, California. The Media Excellence Awards are recognized as the most influential awards show, honoring innovation and leadership in all things mobile entertainment, lifestyle, and technology. For more information on how to submit to these awards, please visit MediaXAwards.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Sam Gerace. He's the CEO at Convey. Sam, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kevin. Great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. You have done a huge amount of things, but maybe before we kind of get into all that fun stuff, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in the uh, manufacturing heyday uh, in the United States. So very much uh, steel, uh, aluminum, chemicals, glass. Got you. Interesting. Did you ever work in the space? You know, um, I didn't. Okay. Uh, I didn't actually work growing up, although many members of my family did. Got you. So you went to university. What did you take and why? Oh, Kevin, I knew exactly what I was going to do when I grew up. I was going <laughs> to okay. do an MD, PhD and go into medical research. <laughs> okay. What, what got you passionate about that as a child or growing up? Uh, I, I I, I loved science. Okay. And, uh, and my family has always had a sort of community orientation. So I thought medicine might be a great way to combine science and, and uh, working in the community. Okay. Uh, and, and for some reason, uh, medical research attracted my attention uh, with the thought of, you know, some widespread, you know, being able to work on things like maybe widespread cures or making some real changes. And that was a real interest to me. Sure. Well, that's what I went to college for. Okay. Well, you went to Harvard, right? I did. I did. That, like, obviously, I think globally that school is recognized as one of the top schools globally. So walk me through kind of your, your university taking that at Harvard, because I think that's pretty fascinating. Well, I'd go again, given the opportunity. It's, sure, it's yeah, pretty, I do not blame you. <laughs> it's a good place. Sure. Um, what's surprising about Harvard uh, I, is how accessible the people there are. Interesting. Um, it attracts some, some phenomenal scientists, but all of them have office hours. Uh, every professor has office hours. And the most common complaint that I had when I went to see them, uh, to meet them at office hours, was nobody ever came to office hours. Really? So I had the opportunity to engage with, and frankly, as I soon discovered, uh, to have lunch or dinner with or to spend time with uh, Nobel Prize winners in physics. Sure. People like Frank Westheimer, the Westheimer equation is in wow. every chemistry book, you know. So Harvard was a great place. Sure. And it, it, it let me meet people who were uh, doing groundbreaking things in, in their fields. And, uh, and it, it also brought together a community of fellow students who were very interested in 
learning and expanding knowledge. And, um, and so, you know, a phenomenal opportunity, which, which I, I hope I took uh, every possible advantage of while I was there. That's great. So you, you get out of Harvard, walk me through kind of your, your career, some highlights along the way, because you've done a ton of stuff and then you ended up getting an MBA, correct? I did. Yes. Yeah. I came out, I, I, I came out with a degree in biochemistry, but, but in my early junior year, I found these things called computers. Okay. And sure. <laughs> a long, long time ago, right? Early eighties. So yeah. they were still mini computers. Um, and, and the piece that, well, Apple had released its, its, its Apple two. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, and uh, but but the Macintosh and, and IBM were IBM PC weren't weren't out yet when I when I discovered computers and and got very interested in them. And the bi the biochemistry department at Harvard's pretty flexible because I went to them and said I want to do a lot of work in computers, and they said whatever you want. Interesting. I, I liked them so much I didn't do another bit in biochemistry. I, my last two years were effectively a. a, a, a you know, a self-assembled computer science degree, although they called it applied math back then, right? So okay, it's, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I graduated uh, still thinking I might do computer applications in, in medicine, uh, but, uh, and to his credit, I had called my father and said, I'm not going to go to med school. I'm going to start a software company. Okay. To his credit, he said, have you thought this through? And I said, I think I have. And he said, why, why don't we walk through your business plan? And, he, and so right out of the gates, I just, um, you know, my, my, my parents offered me a room in the basement and I started to code. Nice. Uh, yeah, so that was good. But because I grew up in Pittsburgh, the opportunities to do work in medicine, and I did a little bit, were, were fewer, but I took on some custom coding jobs for large companies. And again, companies like uh, for, you know, Fortune 500s like uh, PPG, sure. Alcoa, uh, they were trying to figure out this new thing called the IBM PC. Right. And called the Apple Macintosh. And they didn't know, uh, they didn't have IT departments yet. Sure. Or they didn't have modern. And so, so I was, you know, the, the good news is I was in a green space. And, uh, and so we, I was able to do custom work for a little while. Interesting. But, but I'll tell you, Kevin, the, the, um, you know, the economics of custom software coding are, are not great, right? Because yeah. you're, every job is new. It takes a lot of manpower. And so I quickly figured out that I'd like to convert to package software. Okay. So, so walk me through that journey. Yeah. We, I, I didn't know a thing about venture capital or okay. investment. Or anything else, and I was faced with a company that basically, you know, had to keep doing custom programming to to keep money coming in the door. Right. But we had spotted an opportunity to do um, a software package because we saw a commonality of need across all of the companies in manufacturing that we were serving. And today, they would call the systems that that we were working on. ERP, Enterprise Resource Planning Systems, but right. this was in very early days. Right? And what was happening was Japan was kicking our tail with just-in-time manufacturing, and U.S. companies were just managing with, with massive inventory. Okay. So, so they were much less cost-effective, and occasionally they couldn't deliver things in time, and the, the U.S. companies weren't quite sure how to, 
respond to this. And we noticed this problem across all the companies that we were doing. And so we had the idea that we could write a, a generic, a canned system that would connect production in large companies to sales and let them let sales book against a virtual model of the plant and then produce uh, just in time uh, production orders for the plant. And that's what we, that's what we did. But what I did and the, for, you know, uh, the conversion from a custom programming company to a packaged software company wasn't easy and I didn't really know how to raise money. So we defined a six month calendar, I, the entire team. I brought the entire team together. Okay. Uh, how uh, how big was the team? 14? Yeah, 14 at the time. Okay. We we, we, the core team was 14. As we would take on big projects for companies, I, I would take on contract labor. To, Got to contracts. But the core team was 14. And as we, uh, and we defined a six month calendar where we would produce this product. Okay. In effect, while doing, while, while slowly dwindling down the custom jobs. Right. Because I didn't think about externally financing the company. I, I didn't have a business background at that time. And we did. We actually stuck to that calendar at the end of six months. We had, we had packaged software starting a few months from the end of, you know, prior to that deadline, I had started to go out and sell it. And so we made a transition to, to packaged software. And, and that was, that was frankly a lucky thing. Um, and it was painful enough that I decided I'd better learn a little bit about external investment. Uh, Interesting. If I ever did. <laughs> sure. Well, but I think that's good advice. I think a lot of companies actually fund their startup or their company by doing kind of uh, client work. Um, a lot of companies won't talk about that today, but but like it's it's fascinating you were doing it back then. And I, I still think a lot of companies do it now and they just don't talk about it as much. Well, and and you can't be, first of all, it's, it's nothing to be embarrassed no, about. No, totally not. And second of all, it's incredibly useful as a discovery. In effect, someone is paying you for discovery. Totally. You, so Without so, giving up equity. Exactly. <laughs> like, that's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So not, not, a, bad, not a bad way to go, mm -hmm. uh, at least for us. And, 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 it, and that, that one worked out well. Sure. Um, so what, what I've been lucky to do since then, I, um, you know, as I said, I'm, I'm a scientist by degree, so I like to look at things and analyze them. And, other than realizing it might have been useful to take external investment, uh, it would have reduced our risk and maybe let us accelerate. I had enjoyed the, very much enjoyed the process of understanding the true needs of an industry, developing software, sure. selling that software into enterprise. And so I've had the good fortune to start, grow, and sell or take public uh, three companies after that first one, since that first one, and we just, and I, and we just started number five. So, so it's, it's been a fun ride. All have been software companies, and all have been uh, enterprise software companies. Sure. So just before we kind of get into uh, what you're working on now, like you've, most people like <laughs> have a hard time and not like getting one company, you know, to be successful. You've had a handful of them. What advice do you kind of give people that are looking to, you know, obviously have one company become successful that maybe you wish you would have known earlier on in your career? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the older I get, the more help I ask for. Interesting. Uh, which, 
might seem to be the opposite of what I think it's the opposite of what people expect. Sure. But what I have discovered over the years that unless someone is my direct competitor, mm-hmm. uh, they're generally willing to pick up the phone and they're generally willing to share their knowledge and best practices for just for the benefit of the general business community or local regional economy or whatever, whatever connects me to them, right? We're, we're, you're another software company or you're sure. a local company or, or you've taken investment before and I haven't. And, and, and so I, I think too often, and it was certainly me in the first company, we, we in a, I can't speak, Kevin, to, to the stories you were told when you were young in Canada. Um, sure. But, but at least the story, you know, we, we here celebrate the ideal of the rugged individualist to a fault. Interesting. The, the ethos of America is, right, is that person did it. And, and you know as well as I do, nobody ever did anything by themselves. Totally. And if they do, they're lying. Or if they claim they they do, they're lying. Exactly. Yeah, fair enough. Even if we're just talking about wisdom gained over the dinner table. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, my dad was an attorney. He's now retired. And, you know, I mean, the sage advice I got, like, uh, don't don't promote your your attorney to a role that they're not qualified for. Uh, They don't, many attorneys don't understand business, right? You are responsible for the business deal. Uh, Sam, do that, right? And then, and then relegate your attorney to the job of translating the deal that you really understand well into the arcane language of law. If you do that, you, you won't be in a position where the attorney protects you out of business right? or, or prevents the business deal from being done. Uh, and, and, you know, just even little bits like that are so helpful. So nobody does anything alone. And I think the best piece of advice that, that, that I, could, I could give, if it's worth anything, is, is really don't hesitate to reach out in an area that, first of all, don't hesitate to admit you don't know something. Sure. And reach out and ask people who have been there before. I, I, I find people very generous with, with their, their time. Yeah, uh, I, I would agree as well. I, I think a lot of time, even just um, just – like, and if you don't, if you reach out to somebody and they don't write back to you, who cares? Like, right. what's the work? Like, but so many people even just fear sending an email saying like, hey, I have a quick question about X. Do you have 15 minutes to uh, like, I don't know, next Thursday to have a quick chat with me on the phone? Like, right. chances are you will hear back. That's right. Which, that's, that's, yeah, I think that's really good advice, though. I, I'm, it's interesting that you, uh, that's actually really good advice. So we'll, we'll cover more stuff like that throughout the show, but walk me through what exactly you're doing now with Convey and why did you decide to start it up? Sure, sure. You know, in, our, in, the, in the prior company, we were big users of sales automation and marketing automation software. Okay. So Salesforce and HubSpot. Sure. And after a couple of years, I called my team together and looked at the amount of money that was costing us and the benefit we were getting and said, we must be doing something wrong. Interesting. I'm not getting the full value out of this. So I'm going to call other, other Salesforce clients, other HubSpot clients and see what the best practices are. And what I came away with, 
Kevin, was a list of commiserators, not a list of best practices uh, that, that solved the problem. And so I said, well, maybe it's, maybe we didn't pick the right product for our particular needs. So I started to call other firms like you know, Oracle's sales and marketing tools and Microsoft's tools and all the other major sales automation, marketing automation, CRM tool users. Mm -hmm. And uh, the list of commiserators grew. And what they said was this, these tools are great repositories, right? They're, 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 if you want to store data about a customer, a client, a prospect, they're phenomenal. And they're great for reporting, but they aren't tools for frontline salespeople. The people who actually have to generate or retain revenue, frontline sales, frontline account management, frontline service people, these are a burden, not a benefit. Sure. And because of that, the back office complains that 30% of the information that should get entered into those systems gets entered. Study after study shows that if I meet you and I'm a salesperson, mm -hmm. I will do the socially appropriate thing and exchange business cards. But if I think that you are going to affect my commission this month, your card will win my front pocket. Sure. And if, if I don't, your card will win my back pocket. Interesting. And if, yeah. Friday afternoon, I will enter all the business cards in my front pocket. Yeah. And I will discard the ones in my back pocket. And the problem there is, in this age of automate, we have some astonishingly capable marketing automation and sales automation tools. And the point of all the cards in the back pocket is that even if Kevin is not a mature prospect right now, I should start him on an automatic drip campaign that feeds him information over time that's relevant to whoever he is and then sends an occasional uh, request for interaction and if he, so that I can gauge your prospect maturity. And when you are appropriately mature, the marketing automation system should kick you back into the top of the sales funnel. But if you never get entered into the system, I can't do any of that. Sure. You're right. Yeah. So, interesting. Yeah. So, so we basically, this is one of the things that, that I was concerned about, that we were in effect losing seven. My salespeople had gone to the trouble to find people, to connect with people, and they qualify in effect in one meeting. They qualified them, if you will. Let's say they met you in person. They qualify you out of the sales funnel. Therefore, you're never in the system because your business card is just in their back pocket and then in the garbage can. Right. And, and that's part of the lost investment. And so, you know, I wasn't blaming the salespeople because it's very, it's impossible. I mean, the, by the way, the other lesson <laughs> that I learned over the years is convenience is king. Okay. What do you mean by that? We are evolution. I, here's Sam's pop, um, you know, uh, uh, anthropology. And, and, and I love it. I love it. Right. I think we're, we are, intensely evolutionarily incented to minimize our expenditure of energy and okay interesting think about, all, think about all your behaviors you may you may agree except when some yeah and again we will expend energy when it's critical to to our uh, our survival if you will uh, in the broadest sense but but here's the thing if someone's not using an information system it's because it's designed incorrectly. It's because it's to each user, it is more of a burden than a benefit. And that's a design problem. That is not a, anybody who attempts to enforce this, right? With authority, with penalties. I mean, this is what we've learned, by the way, right? Through, through yeah. the years now. Sure. Uh, uh, yeah. so, so ultimately, I, we looked at this and said, I said, there's gotta be a problem because 
the salespeople are not perceiving this benefit. If they were entering this information, they would be automatically getting more qualified prospects into the top of the sales funnel. Something's wrong that they aren't willing to do it. And, and then it, the other big problem, Kevin, in increasingly mobile workforce is 21% of people's contact information changes every year. Sure. I'm surprised and it's it, not higher than that, to be honest. Well, it's, that's if you take the market as a whole. The younger you are, the faster. You know, sure. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so we look, so these are the problems that these systems that we were paying millions of dollars a year for to use were having. And, and I, I keep a little black book, right. Uh, uh, of, of things I lessons learned. Right. Uh, Yeah. And so, so I had this long list of issues. We were busy doing the work of the last company, which was, which was uh, a ticketing and marketing information system for sports and live entertainment venues. And so, so, but, but, but we never found a good solution to that problem. And so we sold that company and, uh, and I spent a little while looking back at the problems that, that, that I saw in the marketplace. And the one that I kept coming back to was this big problem that would affect any sales and marketing operation trying to effectively implement modern sales automation or marketing automation or, or customer relationship management systems. And so that's why we started Convey because of a big problem that I couldn't solve at the last company. And the, the long list of commiserators that I found who had the exact same problem. Interesting. So how are you solving that problem? Yeah, well, uh, one of the interesting things that, that the, that behavioral psychologists tell us is that we experience the world through change sure. right? and we don't notice things that don't change. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So the business card is a 600 year old paradigm. It's really, it's that old. Interesting. The earliest business card that we can find today is in a museum in France, and you would recognize it instantly, Kevin. You'd okay. Say, oh, that's it's bigger. It's all, it's 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 more like a note card. Okay. Uh, and and of course it's hand lettered, but you you'd know instantly what it was. And there's actually there's actually evidence uh, in the literature that the concept of a business card was used much earlier than that in in. China, but their museums are not nearly as accessible online as right. Europe. So, so, so the business card has, is, is something that has not changed for centuries. And so nobody notices it, but here's, here are all the problems of the business card. And the biggest thing is if I meet you and I hand you my business card, think about what I've actually done. I've said in, in that act, I've said, Kevin, I want you to do some work for me. Okay. I, either want, I either want you to enter this information yeah. or I want you to file this business card appropriately, right? Yeah. I've provided you no value whatsoever. And I've asked you to do work for me. That is what happens when I hand you a business card. And, and it seems, seemed to us that that was just wrong. And, and I think the reason nobody's really attacked that is it's a 600-year-old paradigm. Nobody holds it up to say, should this be changed? Because they don't even see it. It's invisible. Right. The, we looked, so, so, so from the other side though, it is a major hindrance to getting the full value out of sales and marketing automation. So we asked ourselves this question, in a device era, especially when we're hearing the youngest generations say, we wanna use our mobile devices to 
engage in business and we don't understand some of these arcane tools. Sure. Um, we said, couldn't we create a system that let Sam and Kevin instantaneously exchange information and that fed that information into all of the systems that we use into Salesforce and HubSpot and Microsoft Outlook and my Gmail, by the way, sure. all at the same time. Interesting. And, and when Kevin's title changed, which would be a good time to upsell him, it, I knew it instantly. And by the way, when Kevin accepted a new job at a new company, which would be a great time to resell him, it was instantly everywhere in my organization as well. So that's the, the idea of live, instant, and everywhere was what, what was really what we were seeking to provide. No, I, I, I'll give you a perfect example of why I think what you guys are doing is much needed. Last week, I was in Florida for a conference and they lost my, my luggage. All my business cards were in there. And I, for the show, um, I used to just kind of hand them out to everybody. But um, my, so I ended up just kind of, you know, obviously I met a bunch of people there. They give me cards and I have to explain that like I lost my luggage and I still haven't gotten it, blah, 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 whatever. Um, so of course, like us exchanging information, they give me a card or the bigger thing is, is they hand me their phone and you have to like find yourself on LinkedIn and add yourself, right? Because you need an email and it's clumsy, right? And Absolutely. so, and then, okay, I get added to LinkedIn. Now I have to go back into my LinkedIn and see all the people that I like recently connected with. And it's just as clumsy as adding in a business card into some sort of database or LinkedIn or wherever, right? Where if you just pull up the app and send something instantly and then, I'm forever connected to you and you know where I am. I know where you are and I get kind of notifications and can see where you are. And, and as you move on to your point, just like, Oh, like he's got a new job now or he's doing this or his title change. Like that, that whole thing is so broken. So I'm glad that you guys are trying to modernize this thing. That. Well, thank you. And that's exactly what we, we wanted to do. You know, not that, not that you asked, but my other piece of advice for entrepreneurs or for new, you know, is meet the market where they are, right? Okay. Because you and I know many examples of companies who, if they reach ubiquity, are going to be fantastically successful. But they don't sure. have any value proposition until everybody has it. Okay. So one of the things we talked to all these companies about is what tools could we provide frontline? And we talked, we interviewed, I like my validation, I'm a scientist. We interviewed over 400 business people. Wow. That would have taken a while. <laughs> you know what? It took less time than you think. Okay. Because, because again, there's, there is a bit of a, I mean, look, there's a process to it. I, I mentor with a, uh, there's a school here in Cleveland called Hawken School, and they have an entrepreneurial studies program for high schoolers. Um, and these high schoolers, uh, for the final four weeks of the course, in effect, go out and uh, they're charged with creating their own uh, business plan. And at the very end, they present it uh, in front of professionals, uh, the, this business they create. And they've spent the whole semester understanding these things and preparing. But, but when I say go out and create a real thing, they, they're not supposed to invent a business plan out of their head 
sort of as if they have to do validation. And I will watch these students do a hundred, you know, teams of three or four do 150 interviews in three days. Interesting. Okay. So, sure. so it's not hard, but you have to decide that hundreds of, you know, the, the validation from hundreds of people is important and you have to set yourself up to it. Like you were just at a conference. It would be really smart to go to a conference and to say that if, if, if there is such a conference that has a, a group of people who would fit into your target audience and set yourself up an agenda. Yeah, I'm not going to the conference for any other reason than to do, you know, uh, 15 uh, interviews, you know, uh, in, in, you know, a day. Totally. I'm going to spend or something like that. Yeah. That kind of totally. But what we said is, look, let one, if everybody has convey, then a lot of important live connections can all be, exchanging information in real time, right? Instant. Sure. But, but what value could I provide a salesperson who wants to try convey for the first time and is meeting you who does, you don't have convey yet. Sure. And, and there are a couple things you can create your persona in convey and you can send it to someone. I, I basically, I say, Hey, Kevin, let me, can, can I send you my information so you don't have to enter it? Sure, which is extremely useful. Yes, and so a salespeople love it because they're doing the they the they feel like they're doing the prospect of a, a favor, and the prospect feels like the salesperson's doing them a favor. Sure, and they can text a so convey lets you create a fully branded persona. Think of it like a business card, except it's much richer than business card. It can have your social handles and um, and uh, a variety of other information on it, but. But fundamentally, you can create a persona and, 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 and then you can just give it to people with, uh, via text or email. Just send it out via text or email. And, and what's interesting, Kevin, in both B2B and B2C situations, if I approach you and we're, in, we're, we're engaged in a, in a sales discussion, I say, Kevin, can I, let me send you my information. You say, sure. And I say, may I have your mobile number? You say, yes. And you give it to me. Right? So sure. I have typed in Kevin Horak and your, your mobile number. And I, and I have that. And, 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 and so in the exchange, in order, as I send you my information, I get yours in order to be able to send it. And that information that I collected from, with, uh, from you, Convey automatically puts into my contacts, my Salesforce, my HubSpot, my Microsoft Dynamics. So what's interesting is that the other, the, if a salesperson's using Convey, the other person doesn't have to be using it yet. And what we've done is eliminate the data entry that the salesperson needs to do and push the information everywhere in the, in the organization immediately. Interesting. Thanks for listening to Building the Future. This show is heard by more than a million people monthly in over 15 markets worldwide, including Silicon Valley. Kevin Horick's guests are leading business owners, successful entrepreneurs, and merchandisers worldwide. Now, your brand has an opportunity to tap into this dedicated and active group of business people who are looking for places to invest and the right opportunities to support. Find out how you can get involved at buildingthefutureshow.com. So how do, how do I police that though? Like if I want my contacts to be mine or to go to everybody, do I have that option? Great question. So uh, we have these sets of options. There are a set of free convey tools for salespeople, right? Like, like Dropbox, 
like Slack, sure. our model is bottom up and top down. So we have a free set of tools that are surfaced through the Convey apps. Okay. They're both iPhone and Android. Okay. And those are great for individual salespeople. And those salespeople can use those tools and they can push to their personal repositories. Right? Okay. So iCloud, G Suite, uh, Microsoft um, uh, Exchange or Outlook. Um, then we have enterprise tools. Okay. And the enterprise tools are, have team, a team tier. So your department could, could all begin to use Convey. And at that point, if, if, you, if you linked your persona that you created, you can create multiple personas in, in Convey, uh, Kevin, for this reason. I have several personas, right? One is the CEO of Convey. Sure. One is that I chair the board of uh, Minds Matter of Cleveland, which is a nonprofit Got that, you. that provides pro, um, programs for, for low-income inner-city high schoolers who want to go to college. Oh, that's very cool of you, but, but yes. And, 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 you know, if, if I were still coaching my kids' soccer team, I would have, I'd have a persona for that. Because sure. We could have the information I want the parents of the team to use to contact. Sure. So I can pick, I can, I can link one or more of those personas to my company. And if I do that, then, the, then when I connect, when I send that persona to someone, that information flows into the company system. Interesting. And, and then the, te- you, the, the team administrator right, can decide, is, does that go into a general sales pool or does that stay with my, you know, my, my, my part of the sales funnel? That, that, that becomes a corporate sales function. Okay. That, and there's an enterprise version where, you know, where it goes into systems perhaps across the enterprise. So if a large enterprise has multiple, uh, multiple sales uh, territories or other things, there are many cases where a lead gen person is out making contacts, right? A sure. hunter sure. Know, uh, out there getting some, but then, but then a, a different person may, may work that through a different part of the sales funnel. And so tools for, uh, for, for doing that are in our enterprise version. Okay. That's the thing that I think really sets you guys apart and, and is probably like not saying that the consumer side isn't interesting, but like the ability to, to work with kind of enterprise and other kind of sales teams and all the other kind of software that most teams are using on a daily basis, I think makes it really, really powerful. Right. And people maybe don't fully realize how powerful that can be and time saving for them. That's <laughs> that's that's the truth, and and I I, th- I think it's because people are still very much doing things the old way. We've we're, they're trying to automate the old process, not th- not reimagine the the exchange of contact information as the beginning of a relationship, the continued use of it. By the way, I mean if if I I can put notes into Convey and they get pushed into the appropriate places in the system, I can set reminders. Right, and they can go to my calendar, or they can become a task in in HubSpot, or they can become an action in Salesforce. So, so these are just frontline tools that are designed for salespeople and for account managers and for service people. That really modern, mobile, real time tools for customer engagement. And we're taking that very thin slice, but you're 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 exactly right. The big value comes because we interface with all of the systems that these enterprises are already spending money. For. So I, I guess just to make sure that people fully understand, if like me and you meet at, 
I don't know, um, uh, a conference. And you have the app, I don't have the app. Walk me through how I go from, you know, getting the info to either deciding to get the app or not, and then how you go back and actually use it throughout kind of your sales suite of tools or your kind of internal tools. Exactly. So, so if we meet and I'm a convey user and you're not, and I would say, Kevin, really interested in that podcast you just described. Sure. <laughs> you know, no, totally. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Let's come. Yep. And I would say, can I, can I save you the trouble of entering my information? And, and, and I would ask you for your mobile number okay. or your email, whatever you prefer. Sure. And I would, I would send you my persona. And I do that by entering your mobile number and your name. Okay. And the, the, the and, and any other notes I have, I could enter right there, right? I could either type them or I could dictate them on the fly and say, hey, you know, the, the, Kevin's incredible chief design officer in, in Canada. He's got a great podcast. We should connect on it. And, I w and as soon as I did that, two things happened. One, our, our cloud service sends you my persona. What it's really doing is saying grant Kevin access to this persona. Got you. So you would get it in a one-click-and-save format. You'd get it via text. You'd get it via email. For the more technical listeners, you're getting what amounts to a V-card. Sure. Uh, which you can save to your contacts. But what also comes with that is a little note that says, hey, why don't you connect back with Sam with a live link so you guys never lose touch? And if you choose to click on that link, you can create your Convey persona gotcha. and share it back with me. Then we're live connected forever. Sure. Any change I have, you get. Any change you have, I get. Got you. When I sent you my persona, by the way, I also, as I said, I, I, I added a note, say, to this. And, and the minute I said send, all of that information got pushed. In our case here, it gets pushed four places. It gets okay. pushed to our, my Outlook Exchange contacts and my G Suite contacts because we find it's got to be in both. Okay, sure. Makes sense. Uh, and it gets pushed to... Our, our marketing and sales automation platform, which, right, at yeah. to, to Salesforce, to HubSpot. And, um, and the HubSpot push automatically triggers an outbound. I don't have to come home and say, Kevin, it was great to see you. Okay. Today. Because that takes That's a ton of time too, right? Yes. Taken care of because the information was instantly everywhere. And by the way, it gets to you while I'm still in your mind share. You remember yeah. me because the email came in quickly, not because I entered this three days later on Friday. Yeah. Interesting. So, uh, yeah. And if you change, now let me go one step further. Sure. Let's say get convey next week. Yeah. And well, let's say get convey in three months. You're, you're a happy customer of convey and you, uh, you, and you get convey and you're, you decide that you're going to become the, the new, you know, Apple reaches out, it's time for a change, and they want you as their chief design officer. Okay. Uh, for that, for the next iPhone. So <laughs> your, your company changes. Uh, that information, because you're, you're on Convey and I am, that instantly gets up. You, you change your persona and you've granted me access to it. That information instantly ripples through all my systems. So I have a trigger in Salesforce that says, pop Kevin onto a hot list for Sam because his title changed or, or because his company changed. And you're immediately sitting there staring me in the face saying, Kevin, who's been a great customer's company just changed. 
just changed, right? You should reach out. Sure. And then I can reach out in a number of ways, or is it kind of automated or or manual, depending on what I choose? So this is where um, the this is <laughs> this is where the enterprise interface really comes into play. Okay. It, if, if for small and medium businesses, they are, they are using Convey directly also, typically, as a tool to reach out via text, email, or phone. Got you. Uh, for, for mid and large enterprises, they, are off, they often have uh, initiate uh, an automated campaign okay. to reach out that, that, that's personalized and that then triggers say, a, a direct outreach for me. So, so if your title changes, you may get a personalized email from me saying, Kevin, you know, congratulations on the, on the role change. You know, it's, uh, uh, always exciting to see, you know, people making great career moves. And, and then you will also pop onto a sales hot list that, that tells me I just sent you a personalized email. Got you. And suggests I call you. And this then becomes very specific to the company and the way they use their automation platforms. I got you. So how does, for the enterprise version, is there a web version or do I do all this from my phone? Right. So today, yeah. uh, today the enterprise versions are, are surfaced through our app. Okay. And then, through, by the way, the the automation tools that we integrate with. Right, okay. But, but you're, you're astute in that question, um, and so we do have a whole web interface coming out. Okay. Makes sense, right? Like, to have the option, I suppose. Like, most people these days have a laptop or, or desktop as well. That's so, right, although, yeah. although yeah. Uh, surprising statistic came out, right, that last year, starting last year, the amount of time a corporate user spent in, in front of a device screen surpassed the amount of time the average corporate user spent in front of a computer screen. And I'm not talking about general, I'm talking about for business purposes. Yeah, I could see that actually. Like just, especially if you travel, right? Like how many times you just like, it's easier to pull out your iPad or your iPhone or Android phone or something and just start using it, right? Like, I, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Right. Um, so the, the curious thing to me, I guess, is you spend a ton of time doing research kind of at the beginning um, to build the thing. How do you guys kind of keep up that research? And then how do you decide what actually makes it into future versions of the product? This is something that I, th I think does not enter the entrepreneurial dialogue enough. Sure, and you've is, probably had this struggle throughout all the companies you've kind well, of been involved with. Yes, throughout every company, and, and entrepreneurs who start today have been given an incredible gift by the world. Okay. But not, you know, I think it's, it's, it hasn't entered the, the dialogue enough um, uh, to, uh, to, to, for them to necessarily benefit from it. Um, okay. So, I will tell you how frequently we look at real world data and alter our priorities. Every Monday morning, we have a prioritization meeting. What kicks off that meeting is an analysis done over the weekend on the data that we've learned through actual app usage or actual platform usage over the past week. Okay. 
So, so for and by the way, over the over the history of the of the of the platform. So, for let me give you a specific example. We launched Convey on an entirely B two B value hypothesis. We expected that our clients would be B two B companies. Okay. Because B two B companies are the ones were the ones in our mind that got the most value out of tools that would help them create, sustain, and monetize relationships over the long term. And fundamentally, that's what Convey helps people do. Sure. We look at data every Monday, and about six weeks after we launched the platform, okay. and our free, the free individual salesperson tools began to spread, we noticed a cluster of users, um, you know, 12 users at a major uh, international retailer. Very cool, okay. Now this is, this is not like Target or Walmart, but a retailer that, that has what's called in the business customer continuity, right? You would interact with the salesperson at, at this retailer, right? Sure. And, and a week later, we noticed a couple other clusters. One was in, um, you know, uh, one was in clothing and merchandise, and then one was in consumer electronics and devices, and one was in furniture. Okay. Home furnishings. And so now we started to see little clusters, and these were curious to us. Within two weeks, one of those clusters had grown, uh, at, again, at, this, at a major US retailer, from 8 to 35 to 100 users. Wow. And over the next month, to 300 and similar clusters grew up in a number of B2C companies, small to large. So four weeks after this all started, we, had, we, we discovered these clusters, we reached out to some of these users, and we identified a, a, a second major value hypothesis, which is for any business engaged in, and the new word for it is clientele, right? Sure. The, the idea that there is a very useful combination of human and automated interaction in B2C transactions. And, and so, so within four weeks, we'd noticed the trend, we'd reached out to do some additional validation. And within eight weeks, we had added to our engineering cycle several features that that audience identified for us that would help them improve what they do. And so, you know, we, we, uh, within within two months, we now, we had, for example, at the, at the largest class, we had hit six hundred users at at that major retailer that I referred to, and and part of that was because we had responded within four weeks and started to add uh, some functionality that was useful to that entire audience. So what I would say is that the gift that the world has given us is the ability to do real time instrumentation of an app. We know who's using it. We know what they're using it for. We know how often they're using it. And through that same, through that platform, I don't, I don't just mean app as app on the phone. I'm, you know, unfortunately, I'm now referring to everything as an app. But through sure. our entire platform, we can reach out to our users. And we have found them to be incredibly responsive if we're asking them a relevant question. Not, hey, would you rate this? Right? Five stars yeah, or not? Sure, so, sure. Right? Reach out and say, we've noticed that you most often do the following thing. Right? Okay. Is it a thing for you to do that or is there something that would make it easier? And if we open the dialogue that way, they will say, well, that's okay, but this other thing would add an incredible amount of value. And, 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 and so if you instrument your, 
if you instrument your application and if you reach out to your users with a genuine desire to enhance it and you pay attention to that data, mm -hmm. the market will tell you where to spend your money and you'll never spend a dollar on a line of code that doesn't generate market value. Interesting. No, I, I think that's really good advice. So did you guys, did you self-fund this or did you raise some money or, or walk me through that? Well, I, um, since that first company, I, uh, w w which was painful as we converted it, I, I decided to learn a little bit about how companies get um, the appropriate startup capital. And so while I have been the first capital into each of my companies, yeah. uh, all, all but the first, we've raised uh, external, we've raised external capital. And, and it's typically been institutional um, capital that we raise, right? VC, venture capital. And, uh, and so for Convey, I and one of the other founders did the first round, and then we just raised a, um, a round of, uh, of capital. Okay, very cool. Um, that's great. So where do you kind of, without kind of giving away everything you guys are working on, like where do you kind of see the space or what you guys are doing kind of going? Yeah, so ultimately, the, the paradigm will totally shift such that, I mean, right now, I would guess, Kevin, that you maintain a persona in many places, and you just told me you carry around your persona on paper to give out at conferences. Sure. And, and that's a pain because that information is static the minute it's printed. Yep. And, and uh, so the, the paradigm really needs to shift to where Kevin maintains his persona in a single place and every, every other system, right? Every other system, whether it's LinkedIn uh, or whether it's the way you want to express your persona on, uh, on, on Instagram or anywhere else. The, the, the key information by Kevin, about Kevin, that Kevin wants certain people to know through, through systems, either through systems like Instagram or direct for people who connect with you, you should maintain that in one place. Yep. And that's right. And so we, that, that's where we're going. We, we would like convey to be the system that you use to maintain your personas, to connect your personas where you want them to connect and grant access to people right, to, to, to those personas. And to, by the way, get access to the people with whom you're trying to maintain a relationship with and get access to that. And that, that's, that's where we see the world going. And ultimately, um, it's not, it's not a, a, um, you know, a difficult um, uh, thing to see that, that this probably ends up with us also adding the authentic record of your persona to the blockchain. Interesting. Okay. Because, because some of the people you're going to grant access to are commercial entities and there, there are regulations about that, like GDPR in Europe. Like right. The, yeah. Like, like, by the way, the very well-crafted Canadian legislation, I, I thought that, you know, I think Canada, Canada waited a while, watched some of the mistakes that other countries made and, and the some of the legislation that you guys just passed was, was very well-crafted. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, thoughtful. But, but here's the point. Um, right now, it's difficult for companies to know that they comply. Yeah. And if, if you had an authentic record of your persona on the blockchain and the appropriate uh, tools 
you can think of them as smart contracts, although they'd be very, very thin contracts, right? That says, yes, you may access, you, big company, may access this persona until I tell you you can't, and, and, and only this persona. That, that's where we think this eventually goes. Sure. I agree. I 100% agree. And the one thing, before I forget about it, to kind of cut you off, is like, the thing that I really realized this time at this conference was not having physical business cards didn't matter at all. (laughs) Like it was, and it was kind of a really big, cause I've, I've always hated them. I never carry them. Like if somebody asked me for one, like if you asked me for one right now, well, I'm at my desk at work, but like traditionally, like I never carry them. Like, because I just like, it's, never happens, never use them. But I always tried at least for the show, just to give somebody like a physical business card about the show because, but this was the first time that it was like, it just didn't matter. Like it was almost an inconvenience to have them. And a lot of people didn't have them. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we, we found that, that over 30% of those 400 business people that we interviewed were trying to, they said, we don't, like to carry business cards anymore, but what they were trying to do is quickly text you or or email you their number, but their number only. It came without context, it came yep. without formatting, it came without branding. Yep. And it was incomplete. So, you know, that's not a good solution either. So yep. you know you're, you're solving that problem. Exactly. Exactly. And free for use, you know, for that basic use conveys free for everybody. Very cool. So then what's I, I know you quickly covered this, but what is the cost for Kind of the upgraded kind of version. You call it a power pack. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, there are a few things. Right. So in the app, so what's interesting is that some of the features that we wanted to enable for enterprise, salespeople were saying to us, look, even if my enterprise doesn't use it, these features are commission enhancing. Could we just pay for them individually, even if the company doesn't use it? So we pushed some of those features through the app in what's called a power pack. Okay. And, and it's... Um, you know, it's it's pretty inexpensive. It, at at four ninety nine a month, it, it's uh, you know it's got a, it's got some enhancing features that lets you sync it to, to your personal repositories and create reminders and uh, and all of those things. And then we have a team version for uh, you know team seats for if an enterprise wants to engage at, at um, and and enterprise seats. At, so it's a tiered uh, enterprise product. Sure, because I I think. To be 100% honest with you, part of the problem was um, with with some of this stuff is like people build these free apps and then have no way to monetize them, right? Where you guys are building something that you could, that you are making a real business out of, right? And that's the thing that I, I is blows me away by the whole startup space is like if you and I set up a, a, a retail store physically somewhere in the globe, if we're not generating income almost day one, That's we're right. going to shut down eventually That's where right. that same business does not apply online to some people. Like, and don't get me wrong. Like there are businesses that their business model is to sell to Google, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, what well, it doesn't matter. But like most people will never build a product like that. And I'm not saying you can't just start something and kind of maybe figure out your business model later, but the chances of you being successful there are a lot smaller where if you just try to make money out of the gate and figure out a business model as soon as possible. Is that, in your experience, do you agree with that? Do you disagree with that? Look, I absolutely agree with it. One of the, way, one of the reasons that 
the market in effect gave permission to people not to figure it out is because we used to venture capital evolved in a day when we didn't have the internet. Sure. We didn't have fast feedback loops. It was hard, right? In many cases, information was right. Imagine having to call somebody with information or send paper via the mail or even FedEx. Yeah. So, so you needed money and you needed time to figure it out. And unfortunately, so you got a big slug of money because it took you six months to figure it out. What's interesting in today's environment is you can figure out things very quickly, but if you get a big slug of money, you don't have the encouragement to do it. Yep. And I, I like your retail store analogy, uh, and we've seen, we've seen some very successful apps created without substantial rounds of funding because yep. the founders took it upon themselves to generate money from day one, and they could with fast feedback from the market. I, I frankly think that's the way of, of the future. No, I 100% agree with you. But sadly, we're out of time. So let's close the show with mentioning where people can get more information about uh, Convey and everything else you, you've done or been doing. Fantastic. Yeah. The easy way is to go to conveyapp.io. And uh, you'll have all the information there they need on the, on the platform and, and on me if they want to learn a little bit more. Perfect, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time on your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day. Kevin, thanks. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, man. All right, we'll talk soon. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future. <laughs>